Okay, you're welcome back to Ultrasonic Film. As always, I'm your host, James, talking about movies, movies, and more movies. We have a very special guest on the phone right now, Alex Atia. You are joining us from Toronto. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm doing good. It's great to uh, have you here on the show. Now, you're a, a stand-up comedian and an actress, and you are featured in a new film, Tapeworm, which is uh, now available on iTunes. Yes, yeah, we shot that. I guess it's about, I mean, so much has gone on since shooting that and oh, the yeah. pandemic. I feel like we shot that five years ago, but um, it was not that long. But yeah, it's it's been really wonderful. And it was a great experience. I can imagine. Now, of course, uh, being a stand-up comedian and an actress, how has uh, what's been happening recently with the pandemic and everything, how has that affected you? It's been very strange. I I think at the beginning it was kind of nice to take a break from doing stand-up and not feeling bad about not going out there because sometimes it can yeah. like I do love stand-up but it can be really like taxing on your mental health and just like you know if you're having a weird day like to to go out and like talk to a bunch of strangers I'm like you know it's like so it was it, that part was a little bit nice to take a break but I don't know, like, it's kind of cool seeing different people experiment with how they're going to create work still and make money. So I've been enjoying, like, seeing what other people are doing and have done a little bit of online stuff myself, but it's also a nice time to slow down. Yeah, that makes sense. Of course, you have, uh, you can search yourself on YouTube and you have some nice uh, short films and videos up there. Yeah, yeah, that was, that's... Yeah, I've had a lot of free time to uh, keep working on my website, which I do about once a week. Um, yeah. I have so much free time. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, I've always liked to make videos and do stuff on my own. So I've been able to kind of continue doing that during this time. And yeah, I've just been also like watching so many movies and lots of comedy and Listening yeah. to the news, I don't know. <laughs> There's just so much going on. but C Certainly. You know, I, I kind of went back and forth in my mind as to whether or not I was going to reveal this because very few people know this, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. I, I hope you don't mind. It's, it's confession time here for myself. I'm ready. All righty. Uh, okay. In my 20s, I actually did try stand-up once. Okay. It is a very, very scary experience. Uh, it's it, There's definitely a real uh, vibe, a feel to it. It's exhilarating, but also mm -hmm. it, it loaded with anxiety at the same time. At least that was my experience. I, I got a few laughs and uh, the headliner that night, I believe it was Big Daddy Taz. Mm -hmm. he, uh, he gave me some pointers and stuff, but it definitely gave me a lot of respect for people that stand up and, and do do that. Would you ever do it again or do you feel like that was satisfying to what you wanted? I think through my radio show, I've been doing this now for over 20 years. This is definitely sort of a way for me to get my creative outlet, you know? And yeah. I think a lot of people, actors, writers, directors, stand-ups, they, they look specifically for their creative outlet. I think a lot of, some people have more than one, mm -hmm. but I think for me, this is definitely, uh, definitely it. But it was, it was a real learning experience. One of the greatest moments uh, of my life was uh, watching Robin Williams live and then meeting him afterwards. Wow. He truly was, in my opinion, the master stand-up comedian, sort of a chaplain for our time. Of course. Did you see him in Winnipeg? 
No, um, I didn't manage to see him in Winnipeg when he was here shooting a film, but I caught his act in Vancouver once. And then I, during the Weapons of Self-Destruction tour, I saw him actually in Toronto. Wow, and that must have been amazing. That was awesome. I, I think I had like second row center and uh, you, you got to meet and greet afterwards. And it was, he's such a quiet uh, individual and he was so kind of low key and shy. It was very surprising. Of course, he obviously had lots of like, I guess, mental health stuff. Yeah, I miss so him. I miss him so much. I, oh. I, I really so do. So he seems like he was like very, like of course on stage, like very... Uh, like loud and expressive, but he seemed like a, like a really gentle man. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. that probably came across more like when you, like a, when you met him. Yeah. When I actually met him, it was, it was really something. So thank you for letting me uh, talk a little bit about my own, uh, their experiences with stand up. Uh, of course, I'd love to get a little bit more into stand up because in the film Tapeworm, you play a stand up comedian uh, as well. How close uh, to the person that you're actually playing uh, are, are you? Uh, how autobiographical is it? I'm curious. Well, it's pretty similar. I mean, I think I'm definitely darker in the film. And, <laughs> um, but there's definitely a part of me that is quite dark. Like I've had depression since I was a teenager and that kind of was is like lots of material my material is about that mm -hmm. and i think that milos and fabian like we we were like new of each other before but i didn't super know them but right. they kind of just had me do this part that was like very much like that's all my material that i wrote and cool. they just kind of like based it on me but it's for sure darker than i am and like that's one part of me but i'm obviously not like that all the time yeah. So it is kind of funny to watch it and be like, because I, I did move to LA for a while and like all this stuff was like kind of true. And I'm like, Oh, like, is this how I come off to people all the time that I'm like this like super sad woman just trying to <laughs> make a go at comedy. And I'm like, you know, that, that is part of me. And like, part of that is true, but I'm definitely not, um, <laughs> it's not me all the time, but yeah, you definitely did play it up a bit and uh, it's it's very gripping and you're definitely uh, a very compelling part of this film. I'm curious. Have you ever seen the film uh, King of Comedy by uh, Martin Scorsese? I'm so embarrassed to say that I haven't and yeah. I know like kind of the general. Yeah, gist of it. Yeah, but I'm 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 embarrassed that I haven't seen it. I no, know not a lot of people have. It wasn't a huge box office hit when it came out, and it's since become a cult film. So only it's not even one of Scorsese's most well known. But it's obviously about a very uh, disturbed stand-up comedian. Yeah, and so uh, I was fascinated fascinated to sort of see if that was uh, something that that you'd uh, that you'd known. Obviously, you get along with uh, with Fabian Milos uh, very very well. You've worked with him on other projects besides this. Yeah, um, Milos and I just did a short during the during the quarantine when I was back in Winnipeg. Um, I think someone he he w was wanting to make a short on the theme of isolation. Mm -hmm. So him and I worked together. He asked if I wanted to do this this short that was like basically kind of like the same stand up character from Tapeworm, which is sort of just me, but like. <laughs> just this woman who's at home and she's just kind of having a day just like bumming around her apartment and she's like preparing for a zoom stand-up show. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the gist of the, 
the short and it was very fun to do and it was so nice to work on a project during the pandemic right um after really just not doing much for so long so yeah i, I like really get along with both of them and i like how they work and i i'm sure in the future we're gonna do some other stuff too Sounds good. Now, as I mentioned, uh, you've done a bunch of uh, short films, short videos, so you're no stranger to being in front of the camera, but Tapeworm is certainly uh, much more involved, a larger role, and uh, as we were talking about, possibly uh, still a part of yourself in that as well. What was the most challenging part of it for you? Well, I, I don't consider myself to be a big laugher. Like, I'm not laughing all the time, but there were parts when we were filming that I, like one day, I think it was a, a scene that was actually cut, but I could not stop laughing. I was like sitting in a wheelchair and then was being slowly spinned around and mm. I couldn't stop laughing and I felt so bad because they shot it all on film and like funded the whole thing themselves. Yeah. And I was like, I'm ruining this over and over again. That was like very tricky for me to do that. It just, you know, like, the one time you're not supposed to do something I'm like Ugh. like I remember doing that in choir when I was in elementary like a one the one time you're supposed to be still and you just want to you just it's painful not to be able to laugh so that was really tricky it was weird seeing myself like when we watched when we watched it at the Vancouver International Film Festival because it was like a big yeah. screening and just, you know, still getting used to hearing my voice, seeing what I look like. And, you know, it's like all those things that, you know, it's like very bizarre kind of, but yeah. it's also not being in charge of like editing things. Like, right. you know, there'll, there'll be a shot where like, it looks like I have a big double chin. I'm like, I would have cut that. <laughs> but... Yeah, I guess as stand-up, of course, you, you, you're much more in charge of how you present yourself and what you're saying, and you're definitely putting yourself in other people's hands. Yes, for sure. And I think that's a good, I like, am a bit of a perfectionist myself, so it feels good to, like, let go a bit and be like, these little things don't really even matter either. Like, I don't look a certain way. Like, that is how I look, though. So I, you know, it's just like getting used to things and it's just definitely very like something that you can't help but think about a lot and become, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Now, of course, you mentioned Los Angeles. We're talking to you in Toronto. And of course, it seems that you were raised in Winnipeg. Do you have a favorite city? You know, I love Winnipeg so much just because I'm from there and that's like where I went to school and kind of figured everything out and that I wanted to go into comedy and my whole family's there and my parents are both from like my dad's from Victoria Beach my mom's from Selkirk so I always Winnipeg is like so special and I love so many people there I really loved living in LA the weather first of all I just it was incredible to be in the sunshine and it's so beautiful yeah Toronto's great too I feel I feel like all these places have, I feel super lucky and privileged that I've been able to go to different places. And I feel like as long as I'm doing something that I, that I like and can keep in touch with my family, I'm kind of happy to go anywhere. Awesome. Okay. Well, you mentioned that you have the uh, new short film coming out. Uh, do you have uh, some other online uh, shorts that you're working on? Uh, what, what have you got coming in the future? Yeah, I have, well, I haven't made anything new 
online. Well, I made, uh, I had this series called just checking in. That's just me kind of like, kind of like a vlog kind of a thing, just right. chatting about, um, minutia. It's kind of just like very deadpan. Yeah. So I, I by the way, uh, part four was my favorite. Oh, thank you. I don't even know what that one was. That was the one out of Los Angeles where you're at the news desk. Oh, yes. That one was great. That one was lots of fun. And uh, yeah, so I have one that I filmed during kind of like the beginning of the quarantine where I was just starting to lose my mind and I was like, I need a project. Yeah. So that, and then I'm kind of like thinking now about making a, I've never done a comedy album before. Oh, wow. So I think I might make one now but i have to figure out what that would be like because obviously i won't have an audience so i'm gonna have to work on that but i yeah i just have i've been doing stand-up for it'll be five years in january so i have all this stuff that i kind of want to like put somewhere and and kind of like have a fresh start mm -hmm. so i think i'll be doing that i have no idea what that will look like or how that's possible but you know, anything can happen. Awesome. Well, in the meantime, we'll be able to check you out in Tapeworm, which again, you can uh, get off of iTunes. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's available for checking on out. And Alex Atia, I want to thank you very, very much for joining us here on Ultrasonic Film. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, James. Okay, and now I'm chatting with Miranda Moroz. Uh, Miranda, welcome to Ultrasonic Film. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's good to have you on the show here. I got to tell you, I'm always very excited when the University of Winnipeg has their film festival. I've, uh, I've covered it for a few years, and you've seen a lot of filmmakers that have shown work in the festival and then gone on to become filmmakers, show stuff at the Gimli Film Fest, show stuff at at Windex, show stuff at the Cinematheque. It's really been a, a kind of a, a really cool breeding ground for a lot of filmmakers here in Winnipeg. Yeah, I, absolutely. I like to say that the students of today are the industry of tomorrow, you know, like we have so many of our, um, you know, university alumni, festival alumni going on to do um, shorts with, you know, budgets and even features. So it's just really great to see Absolutely. And do you get a lot of the alumni that come back to the festival and, and give talks and such? Yeah, absolutely. And we, we tend to invite alumni back to participate in our programming committee as well. They get to judge the films, you know, once they're five years out or so. And so it's really nice to bring that community back together again. Absolutely. Now, how many years for the festival has it been this year? Um, so this is our 19th year. Wow. For the Winnipeg Film Festival. Yeah, yeah. So it's been, <laughs> it's been around for a while. <laughs> awesome. And you yourself are the festival director, uh, but you also uh, wear a couple of other hats with the festival as well, don't you? Uh, I, I wear quite a few. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when, when, when you're, you know, directing a film festival, you tend to, you tend to sit in a different, a couple different seats. So, uh, right. yeah, I would say, um, like I, I help with the programming. Um, I don't get to choose the films that, that make it into the festival, but I do vet them beforehand and make sure, you know, that they're all students and that right. they're all, you know, legitimate entries and such. So in, in that way, I, I, I'm involved, but, um, yeah. And I do all the, all the, you know, editing the trailers and pushing out that promotion and everything. But 
um, we have a pretty supportive community involved as well of volunteers and other small contracts that help make the festival possible. And of course, our sponsor team as well is just awesome. So um, I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's good. It's great that you have a uh, great team like that. So when is the festival this year? Um, so we're starting on Monday, October 19th, and we actually run until October 24th. Cool. So we're adding three days to the festival this year because it's virtual and we we're able to do that a little bit more um, feasibly. And so we're thinking, why not? Let's just show more movies. So, yeah. <laughs> I think it's great that the film festivals have uh, all kind of moved virtually and online. Of course, we had the Gimli Film Festival do that. Uh, Real Pride did that uh, recently as well. And so it's great to see that uh, the University of Winnipeg is kind of uh, uh, following suit on that. Do you coordinate at all with people that have done it pre previously? Um, not, not really. I mean, I've kind of looked at other festivals, like as an right. example, of course, like, I mean, we're kind of fortunate in that <clears throat> there were a couple other festivals we could look at that happened in the summertime and earlier this fall that we were kind of able to look at like, okay, how are they doing things? Like, right. okay, they're going to price gate these movies on the website and, and then they follow to this link where it's kind of hosted on a separate um, site. And we're kind of doing that similar this year because we're using um, a Vimeo business account. So cool. in addition to our live screenings, which are happening nightly at 7 p.m., which are going to be on uh, Facebook Live through the Winnipeg Film Festival. Awesome. Um, we have, uh, and those are all free, obviously, because the festival's free. Um, but uh, we, we're also uh, supplying the films to be viewed individually as well if you miss the screening. So on our website, there's going to be links to send, to you, send you to Vimeo where all the films can be watched as well um, in their entirety on their own. Um, just to give a little bit of options for viewers because uh, we're international this year. So everyone's in a different time zone, which is really exciting. I can imagine uh, the logistics of coordinating that as well also has got to be uh, a pretty interesting. Do you have any uh, special guests from, from different areas of the country or different countries? Um, TBD. <laughs> we're, we're thinking about having um, some of the filmmakers on um, during uh, the 24th, which is our, uh, we're going to be announcing our award winners that night. Cool. Um, so we're thinking about maybe having some interviews filmed that might pop up on the website later the next week or so and kind of continuing our, our presence until November 1st, which is when the films actually leave the website officially. Right. So people can watch them up until Halloween evening um, into into um, midnight turning into November 1st. So they're cool. gonna be available till then, yeah. Well, that sounds good. Okay, so it starts on the 19th. Uh, take me through it. What, what are some of the events that, uh, that people should catch? Yeah, so, um, so the 19th we have um, our first uh, screening of our Canadian Shorts program. Cool. So um, starting at 7 p.m., our Feels Like Home program will start off with, uh, with a film called Shift, which is uh, a, a movie about a nurse um, during the pandemic, actually, filmed in, in Toronto. Um, mm. She is living in her car because her son's immunocompromised, and it's kind of her emotional journey as, uh, as she kind of like deals with being separated from her family. So that's a really great short that we're starting off with wow um and we kind of go through um i think about 10 short films that night and then we go into uh an intermission where people can go grab some snacks and come back to the stream and then at 8 30 um we have two um longer short films 
um, that deal with um, the themes of family. Um, Lots of films this year are dealing with family and fatherhood and motherhood and grandfatherhood. So it's really interesting to see all these films just about family this year. Um, There's been like this reoccurring theme. Um, So you'll see a lot of films that discuss those. Um, And uh, then we have uh, The Next Night, which will be at 7 p.m. Our international shorts program starts. Cool. Um, So we're going to kick off with an environmental documentary from New York um, and then go into uh, a whole bunch of other, um, you know, films that might be defined as more international. Like we have um, some films from Argentina, Romania, Luxembourg. So it's really exciting to see some of these countries, um, students and what they're making. Um, And yeah, so that's kind of like what our programs are you can visit the website to kind of see more uh info on the programs and the films and kind of what they're all about um but during the day we do have some panels and talks available so um on tuesday wednesday and thursday we have a variety of different industry panels and talks um on screen manitoba is coming on um Tuesday, October 20th from 10 to 11 to kind of talk about um, Manitoba's media production industry and how they're kind of combating COVID-19 and um, kind of how they're getting back into work despite some of the restrictions and how they've been adapting. So um, Nicole Mediation is going to be on talking a little bit about that and doing a little bit of a panel. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then we also have um, Film Training Manitoba. Um, So Um, They're going to be coming on Wednesday, October 21st from 1 to 2, talking about uh, careers in film and what students can kind of like, kind of what kind of programs they have, what sort of pathways they can take after graduation. So they're going to be doing a little bit of a panel about that. Mm -hmm. Um, We have an awesome um, long panel that's being done by Flipside XR. Hmm. Um, all about uh, shooting a dialogue scene in virtual reality. And they're going to be taking you through (laughs) um, a virtual like simulation of uh, actors performing as characters in a virtual space and what that looks like in the age of COVID Um, and how this, you know, infrastructure to build a virtual, um, a virtual film set is already here. We're just not, some, some people just aren't using it yet. And so they're going to kind of break and break down the walls and demystify that process. Um, <laughs> so that's Wednesday, October 21st from two thirty to four thirty. Uh, just, just, uh, uh, just, just wanted to touch base uh, particularly on that. I think it's remarkable. Like it's a, so it's going to be an online panel to talk about yes. shooting in virtual reality. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, when, when you went into film, did you ever think you'd be organizing it and, and coordinating something like that? Yeah, I, I, I don't think, I don't <laughs> think I'd ever think about it, but I mean, it's, it's, it's nice because I know like a lot of our like local companies, like we've all been impacted by the coronavirus in, right. in a variety of ways. And, and a lot of our sponsors are contributing this year by kind of lending their expertise and leading these programs. And it's just really great to have um, experts here to kind of talk about this stuff and, and share their their niche with everyone else. <laughs> um, and I think it's definitely going to be inspiring for students and, and, and our audiences to see yeah. um, that kind of stuff. You know, it, it just kind of blows your mind if, if that's not your world, you know? Exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving on in the festival after that, we've got uh, we've got you've got some more stuff as well. Yes. So we we have um, we also have an animated shorts program this year because when we originally started intaking uh, international films, we kind of thought. Um, we were going to just do an international program and a Canadian program, but we actually ended up getting so many animation submissions. And I don't necessarily know if that's like related to coronavirus forcing people to kind of make movies at home or not, right. but um, they're really excellent. And so we made a whole program around these animation uh, awesome. animated shorts. Um, so that's going to be on um, October 21st at 7 PM. Um, and yeah, there's just a variety of different mediums, different countries represented. Um, the quality is just amazing. Cool. Um, and they deal with some really heavy things, actually. So, you know, um, awesome. definitely thought-provoking stuff. Um, and we also have some programming for, for Women in Film. Uh, Women's Film and Video Network is, is leading a panel on Thursday, October 22nd. Um, and they're going to be kind of speaking to different um, women in the film industry, um, kind of talking about telling authentic stories and challenges they face coming into the industry and what advice they would have for other young women that want to be in a film or maybe, um, you know, students that are a bit more mature, might be taking a second career and they're not sure how to get in um, to the industry and how to make connections. So that's going to be a really cool panel to watch out for as well. All right. Well, that's, that, that sounds excellent. Sounds like you've loaded it up, not just with films, but also with panels as well. As far as uh, organizing everything from a technical point of view, is it di kind of difficult to plan it ahead of time, the logistics of putting it all together? Or is it something that, uh, uh, that you guys can, uh, can easily space out before the festival begins? Um, I, think it's, I think it's just an effort like, that I have to make to coordinate with everybody. I think that everything, you know is technically pretty feasible it's just a matter of like making sure that communication is there and you know the fact that we're mostly talking through emails and phone calls and we can't right. meet in person to discuss like an itinerary of how things are going to go mm -hmm. um yeah it's just a matter of making sure that communication's there and um for the most part like i'm doing most of the like technical logistics myself and everybody's just kind of popping in to do their part so i think it's going to go over um fairly well i'm crossing my fingers that you know technically we, we we come off with not too many hitches but um i'm just really excited for everyone to see these films i think they're really thought-provoking and um and really inspiring this year i think the quality has just really impressed me like even as a filmmaker i'm just like in awe of some of these people's work so um i'm really excited for everybody to see the selection we have this year Absolutely. It's, it sounds really, really good. Of course, I've attended the University of Winnipeg Film Festival in the past myself, and I've always noticed that it's a very exciting uh, atmosphere. Of course, a lot of the filmmakers show up, friends and family of a lot of the filmmakers show up as well. So you do get a very friendly uh, atmosphere. Of course, now moving it virtually online, you've got people checking it out on phones, on tablets. So it's, it's really quite, quite an interesting state that we're kind of in as far as film festivals go. And I think it's great that you guys are adapting to it. And not only that, just not just showing films, but also engaging people with panels as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, now, of course, you mentioned people can go online to get uh, additional information. Where exactly should people go to check out what's showing and uh, where, they can, uh, where they can watch it? 
Yeah, I would say that like the easiest place to find all the information is, of course, our website. So if you go to uwpgfilmfestival.com, that's where you can find pretty much all of the information about what's coming up with the festival. We also have a blog where we're going kind of in-depth with some of the filmmakers, so you can read more if you're interested in certain titles. Um, you know, we're also uh, pretty active on social media, so we're at uwpgfilmfest on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, so you can follow us there as well. Um, and uh, if you wanna kind of stay up to date, we actually have a registration tab on our website. So if you wanna fill out just your name and your email, you can get email updates from us and know when things are coming up and get uh, a little ding in your email box just to say, you know, this thing that you're interested in starts in an hour, do you still want to attend? Um, just to kind of keep everyone together and keep you updated, so. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's great. And how's the feedback been for moving online uh, from uh, all the filmmakers, from the people that are being interested into checking out the festival, and from people that have worked the festival in the past? I actually think that it's been like primarily positive because right. so many of our filmmakers, even in previous years when we only had the Canadian program, were from out of province and so they weren't actually able to attend the festival but this year they can um and of course our international uh students can also attend the festival um and so i think it's been mostly positive and a lot of people you know they're happy that they will have access to the films uh regardless of whether or not they're going to be able to catch it live um and i think that being primarily online has actually given us the opportunity to build the online presence up even more, right. which is something that always kind of gets, it, it, it may not be the primary focus of the film festival prior to like our student festivals is, you know, it's, it's in Winnipeg. Um, it's been going for a while, but it, it's been, it's been a little bit, um, small in past years in terms of like how many films we show how long it is right um how it kind of goes dark you know in the summertime and so i think that this is actually going to give it the opportunity to like you know become a little bit more relevant and mm -hmm. um you know have a bit more of a presence for those that know about it and um it's easier to share content too so yeah, I think it's all positive, actually, <laughs> as I, I, much as it is difficult. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I think it's an interesting thing to note as well. I've been reading and talking to, of course, other festivals, and uh, they've kind of indicated that uh, even if things were to go back to normal and festivals were, would still be run live, that the online component is something that would probably remain because it allows you guys to do things that you can't do live. You would agree with that? I, I would, yeah, I would echo that statement 100%. Yeah, and uh, like I yeah. said, it's, it's a changing world, but it's great that uh, you guys are adapting as well. So the University of Winnipeg Film Festival coming up on the 19th. And uh, Miranda, I want to thank you very much for joining us here on Ultrasonic Film. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, James. It was really fun to talk to you today. Okay, we're back here, and now we're welcoming Steph Barrington to Ultrasonic Films. Steph, welcome to the show. Thank you, James. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you on. Now, of course, you're an actress in the new film Tapeworm, but uh, you also work with the Gimli Film Festival. Yeah, exactly. 
I'm a jack of all trades. Exactly. Involved in the film industry. It's always great to see people who are uh, doubling down, sometimes tripling down on jobs in the local industry. It's, it's pretty cool. And of course, we're talking about Tapeworm right now. It's a feature film that's uh, now available for uh, viewing on uh, Apple iTunes. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. What was your experience like uh, doing the film? Because uh, Milos and uh, Fabian are, are definitely uh, uh, very unique personalities, and uh, the film itself is, uh, is also quite unique. Yeah, totally. Um, it was so much fun to be a part of that team. Um, I, I kind of knew, well, I knew Milos. Milos and I worked together at the Winnipeg Film Group. Oh, yeah. Um, so I knew him kind of going into the film and then I knew Fabian a little bit as well. Um, this was my first acting gig and it was um, really? something I, yeah, I'd always wanted to try my hand at acting and it was always something that was kind of of interest to me. And then this was kind of my first opportunity um, and it was a total treat working with Milos and Fabian. Um, the crew was really small um, which was really nice. So it felt like very much like you were kind of just hanging out with friends and like making a movie together. It definitely had that kind of feel to it. Um, awesome. Very intimate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's kind of surprising. Uh, I'm surprised that this is your first acting gig as well. You didn't act on stage or in plays or anything prior to this? No. Th so the closest I came to acting before this was, um, as I mentioned, I worked for the Winnipeg Film Group. Right. And we used to, I don't know if, if the listeners will remember this, but there were the, the Winnipeg Film Group, the Cinematech commercials we were doing. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we, every kind of season we'd put out a new commercial and that <laughs> was so fun to make. So I, I like kind of like dabbled in acting by being a part of those commercials. That was like, I guess my first acting experience was. Well, that's <laughs> awesome. And, and those commercials were fairly low key, fairly quick. Certainly nothing like co-starring in a feature film. It's very rare for uh, an actor actress to, uh, for their first acting gig to be co-starring in a feature, uh, especially locally. A lot of people do plays, they do shorts. So that's quite interesting. Uh, how are you, were you approached by them for this role or did you seek it out? Yeah, no, I, I sought it out. Um, I, someone, I think it might've been Fabian or maybe Ian Bawa, who was one of the producers, um, yes. had posted on Instagram that they were looking for folks uh, to, for, to audition. So I was like, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> And then, I don't know, the audition went really well. And, uh, and yeah, and we all, I think we knew it would be a good fit because like I already knew the guys and there was kind of already like a trust kind of established. Um, awesome. So yeah, kind of how well, it went. yeah, no, I, I, I've got to ask you then, what's, what were some of your biggest challenges uh, with the film? Um, I mean, I guess it was spread, like we did, we started shooting, I think in, it was like May or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then we went all the way till August. So it was like spread out over a long period of time. Um, so, but I mean, that could be hard for like kind of staying in character, you would think. But um, right. in, in some ways I was just kind of playing a version of myself. So yeah. um, it wasn't actually that hard. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I just recently chatted with Alex Ati and she also said that she was kind of sort of playing a version of herself as well. Do you, would you say that that was possibly true for the entire cast of the film? Uh, yeah, I would say so. That was, it was, and we all had a lot of kind of say in our, um, in our parts as well. Like, um, nice. there was, yeah, there was a script, like a general kind of overview that we knew we were working towards in each scene, but there was definitely room to kind of, to improvise, to play around within those kind of parameters. 
Um, so yeah, I think that really brings out, it, it lets you as an actor kind of have some creative say in your character in a really kind of fun way as well. So yeah, I think it, we all ended up playing versions of ourselves because we were, you know, we had that space to, to kind of be ourselves and, and be kind of creative in our own ways. Awesome. Very collaborative, it certainly sounds like, uh, through and through. Uh, yeah. I, I got to ask, uh, were some of your improv improvisations or ideas, were they used in the final product there? Yeah. I mean, it's tough to remember exactly what was kind of came out of my head and what came out of everyone else's heads. Um, it was definitely, yeah, it was definitely, like you said, kind of a collaborative effort. So I just remember, like, we'd be, like, in, in a room and then... And Milos would say something like, I, I, th I think you should try this line. And then I try that line and then I try another line. And, and um, yeah, so I, I don't even remember what was mine and what wasn't. <laughs> awesome. Uh, have you got a chance to see the final film as of yet? Yeah, 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 I have. Um, I, we all, well, a, a big chunk of the team went out to the world premiere at Vancouver International Film Festival. Awesome. Yeah, so that was really fun to kind of see it on the big screen and, and everyone there. Yeah. So different actors have different reactions to seeing themselves on the big screen for the first time, uh, especially at a big film festival like this. I've got to ask, what was your personal reaction to it? <laughs> um, it was, I was, I was excited. Um, I, I'd already seen the film. Um, I'd been given kind of a, a, a the final cut version to watch myself. So I'd already seen it. I knew what it was like. Um, but yeah, so it's always different seeing it with other people in a room with other people. And it's so fun to hear other people laugh. Like you, you think it's funny, you know, you and, and the rest of the team, you like want it to be funny. You want people to respond in that way, but you're never sure if the jokes are going to land. Right. <laughs> so that's always a huge treat is when people like seem to get the humor and like, get into it in that way and start laughing. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. the film has a very dry sense of humor that the cast uh, works quite well and you seem to have fit in just uh, perfectly with that as well. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it, it was fun. And Alex Atia, who plays a, a, a stand-up comic in the film, is so good. <laughs> she like <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> Her performance is fantastic. Well, awesome. So uh, are you definitely hooked with the acting bug? Are you gonna continue on uh, with this as well? I hope so. Yeah, I did. After Tapeworm, I did a short film with um, with Guy Madden um, and the Johnson brothers, Evan and Galen. Um, and that was really fun. I worked again with Adam Brooks, who plays the tape, the guy with the tapeworm and tapeworm. Yep. Um, so that was a fun kind of um, um, second, I guess, second go at acting. And I'm hoping to do more, hopefully when this pandemic is done. Yeah, exactly. We're all kind of waiting to sort of see uh, what will happen there. Of course, I uh, definitely want to touch base on the Gimli Film Fest. It was quite successful moving online this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people, people were into it from what I can tell. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, what's your role there in the film festival? Yeah, I'm the short film programmer. Mm -hmm. And uh, moving all of these online, it's, it's kind of interesting because, of course, you're dealing with uh, various different projects, very di various different directors, and a lot of them. And you yourself end up uh, watching a lot of films, don't you? Oh, yeah, so many. I think, um, I think this year, like 2020, we had 750 short film submissions. So that, yeah, that's all me. <laughs> I'm watching all of those. But it's fun. It's really fun. It's fun to see what people are getting up to, what people are kind of making these days and, um, and, to, and to find kind of the, the similarities and the kind of threads in terms of like themes and topics. So it's, it's, it's a lot of work, <laughs> but yeah. it's fun work for me. I, I enjoy doing it. 
Awesome. When do you start uh, viewing all of these films? Yeah, I mean, ideally kind of as soon as the uh, entries open, which I believe is usually around November 1st. Mm -hmm. um, so then I can kind of keep up with them as they come in. And it's not just like right. April and I'm like, I have 700 films to watch kind of thing. Right. I would imagine also as a budding actress that uh, watching all these different films can give you some ideas as well. Yeah, totally. I So I watch a lot of movies, both for Gimli and then just because I'm a, you know, a movie person. Yeah. Um, I, I like watching movies. Um, and I, I definitely pay attention to acting in the movies that I watch now. I'm very, I, I love, oh, there's nothing like better than seeing a really good performance. And then yeah. think about it after, like, what, how did they do that? And like, what, what went into making a character like that? And all of that, yeah. Awesome. It's a new way of looking at movies. <laughs> cool. Okay, so here's a tough question. Now I'm going to get you to kind of describe your character in Tapeworm. So how, how would you describe her? Yeah, I mean, she's kind of uninspired. Right. Um, and definitely feels a little bit trapped in Winnipeg, which I think everyone can kind of relate to <laughs> at some point in their lives living in Winnipeg. Certainly right now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. During the pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> amplified for sure. I'm actually not in Winnipeg right now. I'm calling in from Ottawa, so I'm not, <laughs> yeah. not, I'm not doing the Winnipeg um, quarantine. But um, yeah, yeah, I think she's uh, a little bit like stuck in life and is not sure what, where to go from here and just kind of like m making ends meet. She smokes a lot of weed and hangs out with her boyfriend a lot. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, like I say, it's it, you, you seem to fit in with the rest of the cast just beautifully on this, so I'm, I'm really glad that uh, you were able to uh, chat with us. I really do appreciate it, Steph. Yeah, thanks, James. This is fun. Awesome. So Steph Barrington, she appears in Tapeworm, which again is now available for uh, downloading on Apple iTunes. You take care there, Steph, and hopefully we can talk again with you uh, in the future. I hope so. Yeah, thanks, James. Okay, we're listening to Ultrasonic Film. As always, I'm your host, James, talking about movies, movies, and more movies. And I have a very special guest right now, Clark Johnson, director and actor, joining us here to talk about his latest film and his career. Clark, welcome to Ultrasonic Film. Well, thanks for having me, James. Oh, no problem at all. Now, of course, uh, one of the big reasons we're going to be talking to you today is going to be Percy. Now, uh, Percy, of course, was uh, shot, most of it, uh, or a lot of it was shot in and around Winnipeg and Manitoba, wasn't it? Exactly. Awesome. Now, this, of course, is the new film with uh, Christopher Walken, and uh, it's got Christina Ricci in it as well. It's a true life story, a very passionate, powerful story, and I, I got to tell you, it definitely looks like something you really believed in. Yeah, I, I came to believe in it. I didn't know a thing about it until I didn't know the difference between canola and corn oil until I started getting and diving in, and then I got totally, uh, totally intrigued. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's quite interesting. Your career is, uh, is quite diversified. Not only are you a director and an actor, but a lot of the films that you've directed are quite different as well. For instance, I, I don't know if there'd be too much in common between Percy and SWAT. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I could, we could we delve into a master's uh, degree in film type conversation um, about the connections between, you know, human beings in, in the universal story. But other than that, you're right. Well, you know, running around with guns in, in LA is a little different than SWAT and uh, canola in, in Manitoba. 
Yeah, well, absolutely. And, you know, of course, Saskatchewan, of course. Of course. And, and now, uh, you know, I got, I got to tell you, in Hollywood, of course, a lot of people, as you know, kind of get pigeonholed into the same kind of material. But clearly, uh, you've definitely done all kinds of material, both as an actor and a director. Is there a favorite genre you like to work in? Well, it's funny, you know, I, 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 it's always been that way for me. I started doing this when I was nine years old as an actor, um, you know, and did four, four uh, Broadway show touring shows with my siblings. And then I, uh, then I started off in production. Mm-hmm. I went to Loyola Film School at Concordia in Montreal, and I started off in production. So I, I've always been sort of all over the place and in, in, uh, in inquisitively looking at different ways to, to uh, make a living in this business. So it's, it's been, uh, I, I did a Broadway show last, uh, just before we started prep on this, I was on Broadway singing and dancing with James Earl Jones. So. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Of course, as an actor, a lot of people would probably most recognize you from Homicide, Life on the Street. You were on that show for quite some time. Yeah, from beginning to end, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that really got me going. That and, and Sonny Grasso's Night Heat in Toronto. There you that go. Was, that works out well. But you know where I uh, recognize you from? It's one of my uh, uh, favorite films from my youth, and that's Adventures in Babysitting. <laughs> yeah. What do you remember about that one? I, that was my first... Um, First job out of theater school that were they paid me to get on a plane and fly to Chicago and I, the per diem I didn't know what that was <laughs> I took the money and I took all the little bottles in the in a mini bar I didn't know I had to pay for them that was my first that's how I remember that film <laughs> yeah you were the gang leader that went up against oh, Elizabeth Shue yeah. there in the subway very very memorable part and uh, it was I, I rewatched it just before our chat with you again so I I, I had to bring it up. Yeah, it's funny. People people stop me that are, you know, grown people such as yourself stop me and say, yeah, I remember as a little kid, I saw that. I go, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah, it's quite uh, quite a, 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 a long career. When, when did you first get into directing? Because you started in acting, as you mentioned, but when did you first get into directing? Well, I think the first thing I directed, other than film school stuff, was uh, my, my sister Molly's, uh, one of her music videos. Mm-hmm. I, I did a couple of her music videos, and then I, I started to really say, you know what, I really like the idea of directing. And uh, I, I got a, a couple of, I did a half hour um, show for, um, for um, that I, the first time I really directed professionally as a grown-up was in, in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then, the, the next thing was Homicide, and I ended up directing, I think, the most of anybody on Homicide, which got me up and running. And that's great to be able to direct a show you're actually in because everybody knows you, and uh, there's a comfort level there, I would imagine. Right, and that's, that was the thing about being in South Africa. The, Barry Levinson and Tom Fontana said, we're not letting actors direct. You have to be a, we're only hiring directors. So my friend Sean Ryerson <clears throat> uh, offered me a role on that show, and I said, I'll play that role if you let me direct one or two and I directed two and that got me into homicide. So everything it, it hooked you and you, and you never look back. Yeah. <laughs> I got to ask you about Percy. Of course, of course. Uh, you've got Christopher Walken in the lead. Christopher Walken doesn't do a lot of leads. He's done some in his career, but he's usually in a supporting role. So mm-hmm. how is having Christopher Walken in the lead of your film? He was wonderful, you know. When we first started bouncing that around, the idea around, I said, "Yeah, a guy from Queens playing Saskatchewan canola farmer. It's it's a no brainer." <laughs> um, but he really embraced it and really got inside that guy. And uh, I I think the Schmeiser family is really happy. Um, 
I, I told uh, I told the Schmeiser family that we couldn't get uh, Humphrey Bogart, so we we had to settle for Christopher Walken if that was okay. <laughs> but he was great, you know, and and uh, he really wanted to 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 play this guy and really do this, and you know, he was game. He he learned to drive a combine. Wow, wow. Yeah. Uh, that's good. That's throwing yourself into the role. I have yeah. to ask you, uh, you also used a local actor who I've chatted with in the past here on the show, uh, Adam Beach. How did of he work course. out? Well, Adam, Adam was in my, pre the, my film previous to that. Oh. Adam was, was a love interest in Juanita, which I think you might still find on Netflix. And, and he was a uh, cool. Alfred Woodard's love interest. And, and I've known him um, before that, but uh, we, I, I, I really liked the guy and, and I really like working with him. And, and, uh, uh, we thought it'd be great for him to play a farmer and just come in and, and uh, kick it around with us in his hometown. Awesome. Well, that's, uh, that sounds good. And now, I, of course, I got to ask you about working with both uh, Winnipeg actors and Winnipeg crews. It's always nice to hear how someone uh, who comes into, uh, into Manitoba finds working with our, our crew, cast and crew. Uh, it was it was great. I, I was expecting no less. You know, it's funny. We were the story, as you know, set in Saskatchewan, and and they lost their tax deal, and so <laughs> we ended up shooting in Manitoba, which ended up working fine for us. And and uh, the, a great crew base, as you mentioned. In in uh, my first ID, Jason Bohm was is from Saskatchewan, but primarily the crew is a uh, Winnipeg based. And my DP uh, uh, Luke Montpellier is from Sudbury, which is close enough. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was great crew and, you know, really a diverse, um, uh, uh, group of actors that we, we assembled there. Uh, and, and in this case, I'm talking about background, right? We, we didn't know whether we'd be able to get to India or not. So we shot the conference in Winnipeg and I said, how are we going to cast an international, um, conference of, of, um, agro experts and come on how are we going to get people from it? and it, it's amazing you know there's so many people that have landed in winnipeg from all around the world we peopled that place it was like a united nations uh, event you know <laughs> which was a pleasant surprise we did end up getting to go to india but we shot some of the interiors in in uh, in, in winnipeg as I, as I said in case we didn't go and i was really happy with the with the people we cast there well that's uh, that sounds awesome it's always great to hear that uh, people coming in uh, have that kind of experience. You yourself have a bit of a Canadian connection as well, don't you? Oh yeah, I'm, I got still have a house in Toronto. I'm a dual citizen. I'm, uh, you know, easily going back and forth. My kids were born there. I, I, I uh, you know, that's I nice. It's nice to be able to be able to, especially in the business that you're in, uh, use both the United States and Canada, and being able to uh, facilitate both because sometimes it's best to shoot in different places, of course. Yeah, and, and the, the Canadian connection really helped me with my international career because uh, with the Commonwealth thing, I, I ended up being able to go shoot in England. And then I started, you know, I've spent a lot of time overseas, uh, abroad working as well because because I could. Now, thanks to our dear Donald Trump, it's hard for me to travel. But, um, I, I uh, you know, as, as a Canadian, it was easier and, 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 and more respect, receptive. And, and, and so I have both. Yeah, certainly. Now, of course, uh, a lot of people might ask you, what do you prefer, acting or directing? But I want, I, I, the, my question actually is, is acting a more relaxing for you than directing? Uh, I don't know about relaxing. Again, it depends on the role. I, I did a great series with, uh, with um, uh, Gary Trudeau and, and uh, it, it was starring, I was on an ensemble cast with, um, with, um, uh, uh, oh, geez. 
John John Goodman. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and uh, imagine forgetting his name, John Goodman and, and uh, Bill Murray and a great cast. And so that was the and uh, we we lasted two seasons on Amazon. I, I think we we got canceled in seventeen or something. Um, but that wasn't, it wasn't that it was relaxing. It was just such a change of pace. Uh, I hadn't really done much comedy since uh, Second City. Um, but uh, so it was fun to play that role. I didn't feel any pressure at all. Now, when I'm directing myself, that sucks. <laughs> because there's too many, it's two, two completely different uh, uh, mindsets. You know, uh, as, a, as a director, I'm looking at everybody's work and, 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 and trying to blend everybody's work together. And as an actor, you focus on what you're doing and how you bring that particular element to the story. So um, I, I find it harder to direct myself. Otherwise, just to go and, and kick it around as an actor on, on somebody else's show is fun for me, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, when you said directing yourself, it, it kind of sucks. I was thinking of that scene in SWAT where you get uh, hit with that uh, flying object there. Was that something you wanted to do to yourself? <laughs> no, it was funny because they kept sending me, you know, Sony Castings, uh, you know, uh, uh, Studio Casting kept sending me, um, uh, you know, Telemundo type actors, you know, beautiful, uh, you know, Spanish looking uh, actors instead of, I wanted, I wanted indigenous looking, I wanted real people that look like they're from Central America. So we just street cast and we found this woman and she was great and she was engaging and funny and she didn't speak English, but she was great. As soon as <laughs> the cameras rolled, she froze. <laughs> and I went, oh my God, now what am I going to do? So I said, the best thing to do is uh, if, when somebody can't, is, is nervous about acting, the easiest emotion to play is anger. So I, we gave her, that was a real frying pan, by the way. <laughs> we gave her the frying pan. And then I just added the stunt. I just fell over the railing. I just fell over the railing just for fun after that. Oh, man, oh, man. And we're talking to you right now in New York City? Yeah. Sorry, That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Man, oh man. So I, I got to ask you, were you tempted to cameo yourself there in per Percy? I saw Percy. It's a very good film. If you snuck yourself in there, I didn't catch it. No, I wouldn't have found, I, I don't, I, I, I usually, I, I don't necessarily do that just to do it. You know, if there's a role that's interesting or if it, like in, in my film Boycott, here's a funny farm story. I forgot about this. Uh, we came to set one day, you know, halfway through filming the film Boycott. It was about Martin Luther King mm -hmm. uh, set in, uh, in Alabama. And uh, a lot of the local actors had other jobs. And, and we, we uh, came to set, my ID goes, we're down one actor. And I said, what, what happened to, to this particular actor? Is he okay? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, it, it's, it's gonna rain, so he couldn't come in. I said, well, get him a freaking umbrella. No, he, he is an alfalfa <laughs> farmer. He had to get his crop up. Oh, oh. I swear to God. So I said, well, shit, I'll play the guy. So I went and got into period clothes and I played the, the <laughs> reporter from from uh, the, the Montgomery uh, newspaper, because so the guy didn't show. <laughs> often from necessity, you, you kind of cast yourself. I like what, that. The farm connection, I had never heard that. And then of course I heard that a lot in, in, in filming Percy, because we shot on, on, on a real farm with, with a sixth generation, lovely farm family. And, um, you know, we, we really learned to, to the, the film was shot in, in, as nature dictated, not as a production schedule dictated. Yeah, oh, makes sense. Well, I want to. Uh, I want to definitely recommend Percy. I got an opportunity to see the film. I really enjoyed it. You crafted a very powerful true life story. It never feels like uh, like a movie. It, it feels a little bit more like a documentary at times. Is that something you were going for? Yeah, I mean, I'm. I always like to tell stories that way. I mean, I like to. I don't. I don't tend to get too fancy with stuff. And and the, the, we had to use the transcripts a lot because of uh, 
you know, uh, dealings with lawyers, et cetera. And, and so, and, and because it's a true story and, and a true perspective, we couldn't deviate too much from, oh, and then, then Percy Schmeiser gets in a helicopter and flies to, no, we, we had yeah. to stick to, you know, the actual events. So it, it made, it lent itself more to a documentary style because it kind of was. Yeah, absolutely. And again, a very, very powerful film. And uh, we should definitely recommend that everybody check it on out. And of course, shot uh, in and around Manitoba. It's always great to uh, check out films that are shot here as well. Uh, yeah. Clark, will you come back and shoot something in the future here? I would be happy to. You know, uh, uh, Christina Ricci and both her and Luke Montpellier, my DP, have shot, they shot three films in a row there. <laughs> Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if you saw me again. I, 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 here's my shout out to my, my uh, Winnipeg-based crew and cast. And uh, I'd love to come. We wanted to bring the film out and have a cast and crew screening at that fabulous Park Theater. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm forgetting where it is. but it, it's, On Osborne there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, we were going to have a cast and crew there, but, uh, you know, COVID hit and now we're just sort of streaming yeah. everywhere doing the best we can well fortunately people can still see this fine film and i think uh, that's uh, certainly the important thing so clark i want to thank you very very much for joining us here on ultrasonic film i really do appreciate it yeah it's getting released uh theatrically uh in, in limited capacity by, by my dear friends at mongrel films i think uh winnipeg's gonna have a screen for us so it'll it'll be you know it'll be out there hopefully uh people can watch it socially distant but in a movie theater awesome well, thank you very, very much for joining us once again there, Clark. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Okay, thanks, James. Thanks for having me on.